Yo, soup my head up, man. You're going to have to raise the ceiling or something to get me out of here. The reason why I have a stool here is because my knee is bad. I'm getting a knee replacement at the end of the month, so I may have to sit. I've had three tears in my knee, and it's not working. So, you know, I believe the four most dangerous words in the world are, it will go away. It ain't going to go away. You got to deal with it. Amen? Amen? Okay. I want to first introduce my wife. Where's, where's my wife? Where's my, where's my woman? Stand up, stand up a second, Nancy. That's my wife. We've been, we've been married going on 45 years. Now, now I know when I, when I said that, the first thing you said was, that brother, that brother looked too young and too fine to be married 45 years. <laughs> Yeah, bro. I'm going on 64 years old. You know, I got a letter from the city of New York a couple of weeks ago that said, you are now eligible to take the bus and train half fare. I got ticked off. I ripped that, threw that out. Too young. Too young. I'm, I'm glad to be here in your beautiful, beautiful church. Thank you, Pastor, uh, for inviting me. You know, this is my second time here. This is one of the most beautifulest churches and cleanest church. I mean, you know, this, this building represents God. Amen? I went, I went to the bathroom. You can eat off the floors, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what church should look like. Amen? Amen? And I know that comes from the leadership on down to everybody else. You know, it's just this is an immaculate, clean, beautiful building. Last time I came, you didn't have air conditioning. Now you have air conditioning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be, I am glad to be here. I love your pastor. Um, I come from a very right-wing, you know, um, uh, how, should, how should I put it, um, you know, very conservative background, uh, spent 18 years in a very conservative church, you know, it was my first, which is why I got saved, that's all I knew, uh, and then when I kind of went into sports ministry, I started meeting all these Pentecostal guys, you know, and, and I wasn't raised in church that way, and so... I was always very confused, and then I met your pastor, and he became like a teacher to me, and really helped me balance, you know, my theology. Uh, so I'm very grateful to you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Listen, listen, I, I speak in hundreds, if not thousands, of churches all throughout the country. Um, I meet a lot of, lot of spiritual leaders, a lot of pastors. Um, but you guys, you have a special, special pastor. Very special pastor's wife and leadership in this church. You don't know what you have. I'm being honest here, right? And, and he ain't, he, I know he, he, he'd rather I didn't say this, but I don't really care. You know? <laughs> uh, but you have a 
special pastor here. Um, embrace it. Love him. Help him, man, because not every pastor is like him. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In, in, in Ezekiel 46, there's a verse in Ezekiel 46 that says, um, in the time of, of, of the feast, whomever enters through the north gate is to go out the south gate. And whoever entered by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return to the gate by which he walked in. Amen? And what God is saying there is, this morning you guys got up, you started getting yourself together. If you're like me, you know, I get up, I take my shower, I'm a clean dude. I take my shower, you know, I brush my teeth, take care, you know, want to look right, you know, brother need to look good. Um, go downstairs, you know, I'll get my butelo, I'm Puerto Rican, so I got to have some butelo, you know. <laughs> You know, and, and um, have my time of devotion, you know, and then get myself, prepare myself to go to church, right? Now, it makes absolutely no sense to go through all of that, to come to church and leave the same way you came in. You might as well have stayed home. See, God's desire when you come to church, a time of feast, a time of celebration, a time of worship, God's desire is that you leave different than what you came in. So if you came in through the north gate, then God desires for you to leave to the south gate. There's something that God will put on my lips, will penetrate into your heart, your mind, and your spirit, and you walk out differently to the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love and your care, Lord God. And I pray that something that you would have me say will penetrate the hearts, the mind, and the spirit of those who are here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, that's, that's my wife, Nancy, mi mujer, mi, mi jeba, I don't know, you know. That's not a curse, right? I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I got to be cool. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a New York Rican, so, you know, we kill the Spanish, you know. Nancy and I, I've known Nancy since I'm 13 years old. Uh, we got married. You know, we got married. She's a little older than me, so, like, you know, she rocked the cradle when she married me. I get in trouble every time I say that, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. She, is, she is the love of my life. She's the love of my life. I, I am by far more in love with my wife today than when I married her 45 years ago. I mean that. That's straight up. That's not pacifying you. That's not telling you what you want to hear, you know. If you know me in any level, you know I don't, I don't run that way, you know. I'm just a straight-up dude. Gets me in a lot of trouble, but you can never accuse me of not being straight-up. I love my wife. I love my wife. I am by far more in love with her today than when I married her 45 years ago. We've been on this journey of marriage for 45 years. When we get to heaven, she's going to live in a mansion. The Lord's going to put me in the project somewhere, you know. The fact that she had to deal with me, I wouldn't stay with me 45 years. I wouldn't. I'm a complicated guy. <laughs> and she, she just put up with me and loved me and cared for me and, 
and, um, and put up with my foolishness. You know, we have three beautiful girls. My oldest girl, uh, Venus, is, is uh, 42 years old, married to a wonderful Christian young man, police officer, one of New York's finest. Um, have two grandkids, 11. Uh, my granddaughter is 11. My grandson is 7. Then I have a daughter, uh, Yvette. She's 40. She's a professor of nursing at Wagner College and um, a maternity nurse over at Staten Island University Hospital. And then the Lord has this great sense of humor. 15 years went by and we had another kid. You know, hello, you know. And she's 26. Her name is Krista. And she's a, she's a EMT and a, a drug and alcohol counselor. She works with young adults with AIDS. Um, she, she's waited all whole life to be a police officer. That's what she wanted to be all her life, a police officer. And then she started working with young adults with AIDS and decided, no, this is what God has for me. So, you know, she, she's, a, she's a tough kid. She's a black belt, mixed martial arts. You know. I feel sorry for the dude. He better be straight. See, as a Puerto Rican father, that's a dude I don't have to worry about. She gonna take care of that. You know, she's going to take care of that. <clears throat> I'm a Brooklyn boy, straight up Brooklyn boy, Bedford-Stuyvesant, Williamsburg, Puerto Riqueño, puro Puerto Riqueño, ajo con bichuela, chuleta, pernil, patele, acapuquia. You know, oricua, potojo, puro, you know. Love being Puerto Rican. I, I, I'm so grateful the Lord made me Puerto Rican. But matter of fact, I, I, I mean, theologically, I probably can't prove it, but I believe the Lord's Puerto Rican. I, I do. I do. You know, I, that's why they call him Jesus, you know. You know, we, we could come to church. We could be Christians. We could have fun. This, this, this myth that when you give your life to Jesus, all the fun is over, you know, all the, no, that's, where, where, where we get that from? I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life, man, serving God. The time of my life. You know, I, uh, like I said, I'm a Brooklyn boy from Bedford-Stuyvesant, Williamsburg. Um, grew up in a house, grew up in a home with seven kids, three boys, four girls. My, my, my father uh, was probably the most evilest man you could ever meet. My father used to beat the living daylights out of my mom every day. Every day. He used to beat us. My father was a chef, so he had these big iron spoons. And he used to beat us with that spoon. And he used to have this garrison belt. I don't know if you know what a garrison belt is, but it's a big leather belt. And he was a merchant seaman, so he used to have these barbarians on this uh, belt. And he used to beat us with that belt. You know, and back then, you know, being Puerto Rican, if you did something wrong, they'd put some rice on the floor and make you kneel on the rice. Y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't want to say that in front of the DA, you know. <laughs> some of y'all doing that. <laughs> and yeah, my father, I remember watching my father push my mother out of a first floor window when I was like six years old. And um, if you meet my mother today, she has a scar from the palm of her hand to the top of her shoulder, maybe 1,500 stitches, something like that. 
My father used to beat me every day. Say, Stephen, then when, sir? You never be anything. And just beat us. But not really. I mean, we were bad, you know. I mean, we were bad, you know, but not bad to get that. You know? And so I used to watch my father beat my mother, and I would always say this to myself. I would always say this to, uh, to myself. I would say, one day, I'm going to man up. When I see this dude hit my mom, one day I'm going to man up. Now I'm going to put, I'm going to put a, a clause in what I'm saying. Because I preached in this church, and I said this, and this dude thought that I was saying, go beat your dad. And after the service, he gets to me, yeah, thank you, brother. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to man up. I said, bro, that's not what I said. You took me out of contents, and so I don't want your old man to get served, and then I get sued. You know? So let me clear that up now, because there's always a knucklehead. There's always a knucklehead. <laughs> and so I was saying to myself, one day, when this dude is hitting my mom, I'm going to man up. I'm going to take care of this dude, man. I was six. I was seven. I was eight. I was nine, I was 10, I was hitting 11, and one day my man rolled up on my mom, and I knocked him out. And he ran out, and it was like, like I felt I was free. I knew this dude was gone. I didn't have to deal with this no more, I didn't have to get beat no more. But like two or three days later, my mother rolled up on me and told me, I got I to gotta have this conversation with you. I said, let's go. He said, your father's coming back to the house. But under one condition, you got to go. You got to go. Ahí está la puerta. You got to go. Can you imagine 11 years old, your mom rolls up on you and tells you, you got to go. And I said, bet. That's the way it is. That's the way it is, man. See, when, you, when you're raised in this kind of atmosphere, when you're raised with this kind of ter- terrorism, when you're raised with this kind of abuse, y- you feel you're better off in the street. You know, when I used to go to school, the thing I hated more about school than anything else was that clock that used to be in front of the room. Remember that clock? Right? I hated that clock, man. You know why I hated that clock? Because I knew sooner or later it's going to hit 3 o'clock and I had to go back into that hellhole. I hated that clock. That's why I went to school like to the second or third grade, fourth grade, something like that, and I never learned anything because I would only concentrate on that clock. If I was the chancellor or the mayor of this city, I would take down every clock. <laughs> I would. I would. You know why I would take down every clock? Because there are hundreds of thousands of kids that are watching that clock just like me. I would. I would. So I went to the streets, started living in the streets, started living in the park, started living in abandoned buildings, started sniffing glue, started sniffing Kabona, started, you know, drinking wine, you know, Boone's Farm. See, those who laugh, <laughs> you all use the victim boom bomb, right? See, 
Don't be laughing real quick because I'll be busting you, man. You know? I said boom's fun like five people say. <laughs> now, what I want to know, was it apple or strawberry that you were down with? Personally, I like the apple. <laughs> I like the apple. So, you know, you've been drinking wine, be drinking Gypsy Rose, be drinking Swiss Up, you know, Boone's Farm, smoking a little pot. I used to go, back then, I don't see it no more, but back then they used to have these used refrigerators and washing machines. If you want to get a washing machine, refrigerator. See, if you grow up in the inner city, well, we call it inner city, we used to call it the ghetto back then, but now they call it inner city, it gave it like a pretty name, right? <laughs> but, like, if you grew up in the ghetto, you know, there were certain places you shopped. If you wanted a washing machine or a refrigerator, you didn't go to Sears. You went to my man in the corner. They had the used ones, right? It's like if you grew up in the ghetto, you don't go to the bank. Where do you go? Cash checking, right? People don't understand that. You know, come out of the inner city, they don't understand the mentality, you know? You go to La Bodega to do a little grocery shopping, and what do you say after you finish? Apuntalo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Apuntalo. Right? And you take care of it when you get paid, you know? It's, it's a beautiful, yo, I love it, man. I'm telling you, man. You know, people, people you know, especially suburban, you know, people will say, man, poor guy grew up in the city. No, you, 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 didn't, you didn't get what I got. You know, that's why God tells, tells us that in any situation, we should, we should be content in many ways, man. I, I'm grateful that I had to go to the bodega and say, apuntalo. I'm, I'm grateful you know, that, 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 that uh, I, I didn't know what a checking account was till I was like 30. You know, I went to the cash checking, you know, paid my, my 2% to cash my check. I didn't know you get a checking account. Actually, it was cheaper because when you have to pay for every check, you know. So, um, yeah, I went to the street, started dipping glue, and, and they had these refrigerators. We used to go to the back and, and, and pop the gas, the Freon 12, and sniff it. That's how we used to get high. It's illegal to have refrigerators with the gas now. But that was my life, guys. That's what I did. You know, there was, a, there was an old saying back then, only the strong survives. If you weren't strong, the streets would chew you up and spit you out, man. So I feared nobody. Period. Today, I gotta, I gotta like, you know, Keep my mind right because you could go back to that way of thinking and get yourself in trouble. I had this guy cut me off a couple of months ago. That wasn't a good thing. No, that wasn't a good thing, man. He cut me off. I almost, almost hit a lamppost. I chased that dude, man. Oh, listen, listen. This word, pastor, reverend, chaplain, all these names people want to give me, it don't help me none. It don't help me none, man. It, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work out this salvation just like you. I get ticked off just like you. Listen, listen, listen. Hit, hit my brand new car on the way out. You meet a different Pastor Willie. I'm just saying, man. I'm trying to work out. I'm on this journey just like you. Just like you. You know, I hear these pastors on TV. They say, come on to Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a straight-up lie. 
You come on to Jesus, everything is not going to be okay. But I'd rather go through it with him than by myself. Amen? But, but this, this, this concept of coming to Jesus and everything's going to be all right, I don't know where we get that from. I'm just saying, man, if you were looking for a theologian to come here today, that's not me. I'm just a Puerto Rican dude that got saved, became a pastor. I'm still trying to work out my salvation. And some days I have some great days, and some days my days aren't so great. But I keep my eyes on the Lord. So I'm on the street doing what I'm doing. Then I start snipping heroin. I start shooting heroin. I start doing heroin and cocaine. And that was my life. On drugs, off drugs. On drugs, off drugs. On drugs, off drugs, man. And so never went to school, couldn't read, couldn't write. I'm 26, 26 and a half. I'm working in a, I'm working in a print shop or a broker's house, and they hired this guy, this white dude, blonde hair, blue-eyed German dude called Otto Lang. And when I first met him, the first thing he told me was that Jesus loved me. And he had this Bible, and he opened, he read me this verse. And I said to him, yo, check this out, my man. That Jesus stuff, that's for you white boys. That ain't for me. Where was your Jesus when I was eating out of garbage cans? And where was your Jesus when I was living in abandoned buildings and rats were biting my feet? That Jesus thing, that's for you, bro. That ain't for me. You ever meet some of these Christians with that stupid smile? (laughs) Always telling you Jesus loves you, right? We got that stupid smile now, right? Every morning he would come, open up the Bible, tell me Jesus loves me, and he'd read me a verse, man. I used to take his Bible and take it to the glue machine. I would glue his Bible. I said, that brother ain't telling no one nothing. He started a Bible. There were 60 employees, all black and Hispanics. He, he, he started a Bible study, and I would go into that room a minute before Bible study, light up two joints. I smoked the place up. I said, if he's going to talk about Jesus, we all getting high. And he would try to hold his breath, but this brother would tell me about Jesus. Long story short, he left. I was strung out. My wife was about to leave me. I called him. He invited me to church. I had nothing to lose, so I went to church. I sat all the way in the back. I heard this preacher preach about the love of God, how God could transform you, and he could take your mess and make something great. And I sat there, and I... And I made a deal with God. You ever make a deal with God? See, God could handle any deal you make with him. Matter of fact, he could handle any deal in any way you say to him. I wasn't a Christian, so every other word was a cuss. God could deal with that. Now, I wouldn't speak to God that way now. I know better. But back then... I said, Lord, if you are who you say you are, if you are who this man tells me you are, if you are who this preacher just said you are, then check this out, man. If you would get this habit off my back, absolutely nobody on the face of this earth will serve you like me. Personally, I think this is a hustle. But if you say you are who you say you are, I'm down. They made an altar call, I walked down, I gave my life to the Lord, and I started this journey 
with God. See, being a Christian, that's what it is. It's a journey. It's a journey, man. It's a journey. And so I started a journey with God. But you know, when you give your life to Jesus, you come to this walk with all this luggage. That's why I say this thing about, come on to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Everything is not going to be okay, man. But you know, when you have Christ next to you, in those days that are not okay, they are okay. See, you come to this walk, you come to this journey with all this stuff. Your culture gives you stuff. You know, my mother to today is into Santeria. She's into, you know, como espiritista y brujería. And so I come into this walk with that. I come with it. I be home y la espiritista will be turning in circles, smoking a cigar, talking craziness, man. All kind of spirits in my home. If you ever came to my home when I was a kid, you could, you could open up every window, open up every shade, and it'd still be dark in there. So I come into this walk with that. I come into this walk with stuff that some of my relatives have told me and I grew up believing, which wasn't true. See, we come into this walk with all this luggage, man, and we want everything to be all right. That's not the way it works sometimes. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. My pastor wanted me to get baptized, and I told him no. Because I had walked by the class, the baptism class, and I looked in, and I noticed that the people that were in there were reading from this book about baptism, and I couldn't read. I couldn't write. And I wasn't about to go in there and be chumped. That wasn't going to happen. I told him, nah, I'm not going in there. So he had a retired teacher, Angelica Valentin, tutor me every Tuesday and every Thursday. I would go to a house, and I would read this book, and I would read. I was 27 years old. And I was reading C. Sally Run. I can't tell you how humiliating that was. But she would always tell me, you know, Willie, you got to look at it like you have this big tree in front of you and you have this little axe and all God is asking you to start chopping away. It may take a month, it may take a year, it may take two years, but all he's expecting you is to chop away. And that's what I did. Learn how to read, learn how to write, got baptized. I'm on this journey with God, man. Then I came across this verse, and here's where I want to go with you today, because it changed my life. Totally, totally, totally changed my life. Then Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5, I'll give you a second to go into your iPads and your cell phones, because you can't say Bible now, you know, <laughs> or Bible only. Personally, I... I'd rather bring my Bible because I like to highlight, you know, and get back to it later and 
meditate on it. Even though I know you could do, you could do some things on your phone. <clears throat> and I'm going to try to break it down a little bit. On starting verse five, it says, "Trust in the Lord." Ooh, make sure I'm on the right one here. Not in verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. I love the message Bible. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So, see, I'm the kind of guy that I trusted in me. And to transfer my trust from me to him was very difficult because trusting me, I survived on the street. Now, I got to trust this God that I don't even see. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding will limit you. I'm going to say that again, man. Your own understanding, my own understanding, it's going to limit me. Had I started a journey with God and, and, and I, I trusted in me, I would have never became who I am today. Where in my wildest of wildest imagination, I think that this Puerto Riqueño, Tirigueño from Brooklyn, Bedford Stuyvesant will be the chaplain to the New York Yankees. Man, I ain't that smart. On my best day, I couldn't put this together. On my best day, I couldn't put this together. Where in my wildest imagination did I think that I would have a Bible study one-on-one for 18 years with the greatest relief pitcher ever in the history of baseball, Mariano Rivera? Where? See, my own understanding would have never got me there. God tells you, don't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding will limit you. We need to say, God, I don't know what to do. I need you. I need to trust your ways. I read that, man. I said, wow, that's for me. Because my own understanding got me in nothing but trouble. See, I, I could bang it up. Ask my wife. He'll tell you, uh, bye bye, boy. He'll bang it up. <laughs> Got banging it up down packed to an art. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm on a journey. See, if you're looking for a pastor to come up here and convince you that everything's okay and I'm goody goody and I'm Pastor Reverend Chaplin and things go right, that ain't me. That ain't me, man. I'm trying to work out my salvation just like you. And some days are good and some days are rough. Some days are rough, man. But you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding will limit you, man. That's why you need to be here on Wednesday in the prayer meeting. That's why you need to be involved in some kind of ministry in this church. See, because, because, because let me tell you, we got saved, and right away we started serving. Pastor, right away. I couldn't read. We started teaching elementary in the church. I couldn't read, so she read, and I was, you know, I was the clown. I did all the, 
all the crazy stuff with the kids, but we served. And serving with those kids is where I started getting understanding of God. And being in prayer meeting on Wednesday night and Bible study is when I started learning who I was and what I inherited in God. See, some people come to church just on Sundays. And I'm telling you, man, it's not enough. Don't lean on your own understanding. You need to come and understand the understandings of God by your pastor and by leaders in this church. I'm just saying, man. We need to say, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I need you. I did that when it came to reading. I did that when it came to reading, man. I, I, had a, I couldn't lean on my own to stay. I, need, I needed help. I need to walk with him, understand his ways. He's a wonderful, beautiful God, man, that wants to help you. There are gifts that you have that this church needs, this community needs. It's in you, man. I'm telling you, it's in you. My father says, it's been Wednesday, I never amount to nothing. But God tells me that I'm special. I'm special. I don't know about you, but see, I'm a special dude, man, created by God to do something special for him that only I could do. Nobody else could do it for me. Nobody else could do it for me. From the day I came out of my mother's womb, God said, this is for you if you get with my program. And what he says to me, he's saying to you, because I'm special, but you're special too. God tells you to fan the flame of the gift that's in you. And the place you start fanning it and serving it is in your church. I'm telling you, man. I'm leaving you with a bunch of 24-carat nuggets today. I'm telling you, volunteer to usher Teach Sunday school, whatever it may be, put the chairs together back into place. Make no difference what it is, and watch how your walk with God will start elevating. But it doesn't elevate you sitting on Sunday and going home and not doing anything else. It just doesn't. I would like to tell you it does, but I'm not going to lie to you. It doesn't. We went from teaching elementary school to teaching junior high school to teaching high school to doing prison ministry to doing a three-year internship with, with, uh, with uh, David Wilkerson in Williamsburg, and we went out. We never stopped. Our almost 40 years of service, we've never gone one day without serving God in 40 years. Amen. We haven't. Amen. Because we trust in the Lord with all our heart, and we don't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge. I acknowledge here today that the reason why I do what I do with the Yankees and the Brooklyn Nets is it has nothing to do with me. On my best day, I couldn't put that together. It has everything to do with God. <clears throat> and what he's done for me, he can't wait to do for you. Because I'm special, but you're special also. Here, in verse 7, he says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes, man. That's why every morning I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning like I said, me baño, brush my teeth, get my butelo, and I have my time with God. And after I'm in this word, I spend time in prayer. After I spend time in prayer, I keep quiet and listen to what God wants to say to me. Then on Wednesdays, I'm in Bible study. 
there are a couple of guys that I love to hear on the radio. <clears throat> because I can't be wise in my own eyes. No more I say toa. I don't know everything. There are a couple of brothers that we're tight like this. That I could call them when I'm struggling and say this, I'm struggling with this. No matter what it is, I could tell them. And if I need them, they will leave Florida to come here. If they need me, I'll jump on a plane and visit them. Now be careful. You can't be telling your business to everybody. <clears throat> you got haters out there. The haters, man. The haters. They're watching God elevate you and they hate earth. So cuidado. Don't be telling your business to everybody. I don't tell my business to everybody. Amen? See, I'm not even going to charge you for that pizza nugget. That's free. That's free. See, I go to Tampa every year for the last 25 years. I go to Tampa to spring training. And I didn't go this year because my wife wasn't feeling well. And my first ministry is my wife and my kids, not the Yankees. I'm just saying. And so I go down there. I do what I do. Finish around 8, 9, 10 o'clock at nighttime. And I can stay in this beautiful hotel. And guess what? I don't stay in that hotel. I get in my car. I drive for an hour and a half to Ocala. I stay with my brother. You know why? In Tampa, in that hotel, women are too fine. <laughs> it's too fine, man. See, I'm not afraid of that in front of my wife. I'm not. I'm not because I'm not about to get caught up in a situation and have to come back and explain to my wife the nonsense I did on my kids. I'm not doing that. Pastor Nadario is not going to hear you can't invite Pastor Willie back because he has a coteja in Tampa. Not going to happen. Not going to happen, man. I drive all the way to Ocala. I stay in my brother's house. I stay with my brother because I'm safe with my brother. See, I'm not wise in my own eyes. I don't say I got this. I don't. I don't have it. I know that I could fall like every, any other man. I could fall. So I don't put myself in a situation to fall. I'm out of there, boy. I'm Palante, I'm gone. I know. Listen, the devil will never bring an ugly woman your way. The devil will never bring an ugly man your way. Unless you into ugly. I'm not into ugly. I like him fine. My wife is fine. I'm just saying, Pastor, some, you know, some people like him differently. <laughs> I'm not about to stay in that hotel and go downstairs to the lobby and that moment have the enemy bang me up. I got to come home and explain to my grandkids, to my daughters. They'll still love me. They'll never look at me the same. Nah. I'm out of there. I'm not wise in my own eyes. And <clears throat> that's what God is saying. You know, when you're not wise in your own eyes, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I, I don't fear God. I fear what will happen. First of all, my wife, she ain't having that. She ain't having it. I'm not facing that beatdown. 
and bring bochorno to my family. Man. See, I know I don't got it. I, I know it. I'm just bold enough to admit it in front of everyone and in front of my wife. That's why I go to Tampa. She don't even think twice. She trusts me. And I trust her. That's the kind of relationship we have. Because she knows I'm bold enough to say this right here publicly in front of her. That I, I shun evil. I'm not wise in my own eyes. I need God's help. I need Pastor Victor's help. I need other men's help. Notice I say men. I don't have prayer time with a woman. I don't. I don't. Because the devil's like a roaring lion seeking who to devour. And the day I hold hands with that girl to pray is the day my wife and I had a big old fight. <laughs> and that girl started looking good. And next thing you know, I done banged it up, man. See, I'm aware of that stuff. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Not embarrassed to say it, man. Maybe you're more spiritual than me. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I need to have myself in a place where I'm growing in the things of God, when I'm being encouraged in the things of God. I'm not going back to the old Willie. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to not bathing for a month. I'm not going to having my teeth all rotten. Now, all of these are implants, but they're mine. I pay for them. I'm saying, Pastor, you know, they were rotten from the quinine of the heroin. Now, look, look, beautiful, right? Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Brother, look, brother needs to stay clean, man. I'm not going back to not bathing and wearing the same clothes for a month. Honestly. Honest, no, all jokes aside. This is a real, real deep question. I look good, right? <laughs> I look good. I know I look good, man, because look what God has done. <clears throat> look what God has done. From being a junkie, not bathing, snatching pocketbooks, rotten teeth. This is what God does when you give your life to him. He'll turn it around for you. But what you put in is what you get out. Choices you make will determine where you go. This walk with Jesus is all about choices. Every single day you got to make choices to walk with God, and not only to walk with God, but most importantly, to walk in the truth of God. And you're not going to know the truth of God unless you're studying the truth of God. You're not going to know the truth of God unless you're having some kind of reading time. You're not going to know the truth of God unless you're here on Wednesday nights, man, learning from the pastors and other leaders in this church, which will direct you in the right path. But if you are like some and many Christians say, I got this, you're in trouble. Because you don't have it. You don't have it. I'm telling you. I got this, Pastor. I got it. Don't need to be there Wednesday. All right. Just stay. It's not a scare tactic. I'm just saying. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will be like nourishment to your body. Let me read that again. This will bring health to your body and nourishment 
to your bones. Then it says here, this always got me, man. I'm telling you, I struggle with this big time. Because it says here, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, when this guy was telling me about Jesus, he was telling me it was a free gift. That's what he was saying to me. Accept this free gift from God, man. It's free. I came to Jesus and he told me how to give 10%. I said, where's the free? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm being honest with you. <clears throat> it's a free gift. Now you're telling me I got to give up 10%. Where's the free? I struggled with that. I did. I struggled with it, man. It says here, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. Then your bonds will be filled to overflowing. Now, some people, they say, well, this 10%, this tithe thing is Old Testament. Okay. Not in the New Testament. Okay. Check this out. Check this out. Study it. Because I've studied this in depth. If Old Testament says 10%, but the New Testament says everything you have belongs to God, not 10%. So for the cheapies, you're better off with the Old Testament than the New Testament. Because the New Testament, you got to give it all. You know what I'm saying? So theologically, if you're battling that, a word of advice. My, my wife and I, we love to give. We love to give. And God has just so blessed us throughout the years. I can't tell you, man. I'm, listen, I don't get paid by the Yankees. I don't get paid by the Nets. I don't get paid by the Giants. I'm a missionary. I got to raise my own support to do what I do. We're not allowed to talk to players about money. I don't get a dime from a player. Everything we do, we get from God. Everything. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Everything. Around almost 10 years ago, we, we never owned a home because our daughters went to college and we paid their college. They don't have student loans. We pay their college. My wife is very strict on it's our responsibility to pay for their schooling. That's, that's what we did. So 10 years ago, one of my <coughs> supporters said to me, hey, Pastor Willie, how come you don't own a house? I said, I ain't got no money. Brother broke. Boy fell out. He said, I'm going to give you $50,000, go find a house. My wife and I, we started looking for a house. I came back to him. I said, check this out. Will you consider paying all my debt, and then I'll save to buy a house? He said, bet. Give me all your debt. $62,000 he paid every dime. Every dime. A year later, he came back. How much you got saved? He said, $10,000. He gave me another $50,000, and we bought this house. <coughs> Now, you know, the devil's a liar, because when you have victories like this, the devil likes to rob, try to rob the seed that God's given you. Around maybe three or four months after we got the house, we got a call from the RRS. <laughs> when I worked as a printer, I lost my job, so I took my 401k money, didn't pay the 10 or 20%, whatever it was. The RRS called me, told me I owed them $32,000. <clears> now, it had been maybe 12 or 13 years after 9-11, the main computers for the RRS used to be in the World Trade Center. And when they came down, the information came down. And I wasn't volunteering no information. Are y'all too? 
And so I got this call, I got this letter saying that we owe $32,000 in penalty and all this other stuff. So I called him right away and I said, listen, uh, how do we do, I, I want to do a pay and compromise. That means that you offered, you offered, I offered them like $7,000 for the 32. Now I have to wait for a hearing. But I had to pay $330 a month until the hearing. If you miss one payment, hearing is off. So I, first month I got a letter with the coupon, put it in, put my check, social security number, boom, on day. Next month, I got no letter. I called him right away. And the girl said, what's your social security number? I gave it to her. She said, well, look, I'm looking at a computer. It says, it says, you owe zero. It says penalty, zero. Everything was zero. Now, I'm not about to have a conversation with her. Okay? That ain't stupid. I said, no, 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 I, I think you're right, ma'am. Um, why don't you send me a letter saying that? And I got a letter saying it was zero. You know why it was zero? Because the month after I called them, Congress and the Senate passed a new law of a statute of limitation. If the IRS hadn't collected in 17 years, you don't owe them nothing. I felt one month in that. Now, that's just... Some of the things that happened to my wife and I throughout these 30, 40 years of a journey. One time, I lost my job and we couldn't pay electricity. Our youngest girl was asthmatic. I had no money, no nothing. I went to an interview, got on the ferry to come home, and I'm saying, God, how am I going to pay the electricity? How am I going to pay the gas, God? And the New York Times had this program called HEAP. So we all know about that. <laughs> right? Say, so you having problems paying this? We'll pay time after time after time. And I tremendously in my heart believe that God does this because he knows my heart of giving. Amen. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Never outgive God. And let me tell you, this is a good place to sow. I know this pastor. I know this ministry. There's some ministries I wouldn't throw a penny into. This ain't one of them. We have a responsibility to give to God while we're on this journey with God so he can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we can't handle. I can't tell you the many times that we've gotten blessings that we couldn't handle. And when blessings are given out, I want to be there. How many of you guys want to be blessed by God? See, I, 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 I put both hands, my legs, you know. That's the way God operates. That's my journey with God. Every single day. It's not complicated. I'm not a theologian. I'm just loving on God. I'm loving on my wife. My wife is my first ministry. The kids are gone. We were going to buy an apartment in Brooklyn. <clears throat> and she said, well, let's get a two-bedroom apartment. I said, no, one bedroom. They come back. <laughs> they want to live rent-free. Aquí tiene que pagar renta. We're doing life together. My wife got really ill three years ago, almost died. God recouped her. And we're doing life together, man. I'm loving on my woman, right, baby? Se me, se me jeva. 
my mujer, mi mujer, mi mujer. I'm not embarrassed to say it, guys, man. I'm enjoying my walk with God. I'm, en I'm enjoying what God has given me, man. This is God's intent for us. But what you put in is what you get out. If you don't put in much, don't expect much out. It's like I tell athletes all the time. There's not an athlete that exists that would show up to a park and go out to play. Wouldn't happen. They come to the park. They go to the chiropractor. They get adjusted. They get a massage. They go start stretching. They go to the batting cage or they go out to the shoot-around. They stretch out because if they were to come to the park and go out and play, they're going to hurt themselves. The body wasn't made to go out and do that punishment without you stretching yourself out. Well, guess what? Our Christian walk was not made, was not given to us for us to just come and wing it. Let me ask you. Where are you with God? Where are you with God? See, if I'm here with God, God surely is not expecting me tomorrow or next week or next month or next year to be here. He knows. giving God time after time after time a little something something and watch what God will do not in my wildest imagination if you follow basketball Alonzo Mourning one of the superstars of all superstars to ever play the game he came to the nest to play from the Miami Heat and I went up to introduce myself stuck up my hand said, Mr. Morning, my name is Pastor William the Chaplain here, welcome to New York, or welcome to, to New Jersey at that time. And he was taller than me sitting. <laughs> and I still got my hand, and he looked up, and he said to me, he said, hmm, when a six-foot-ten brother goes, hmm, leave that boy alone. <clears throat> leave him alone. Next game, I came to myself, he said, Hmm, that means he don't want to be bothered. That means to me that I'm in his space. He's not in mine. I'm going to leave that dude alone. <clears throat> well, a lot of the morning, I had a kidney breakdown <clears throat> and had to go to the hospital to get a kidney transplant. Meanwhile, his bodyguard, I had gone out. I don't sit because uh, I have all this energy. He was standing in my spot. I said, what's this dude standing in my spot, man? So I went to, went to talk to him. He was Alonzo's bodyguard. We started off a friendship. He had, was struggling with something personal in his life. I walked him through it, and we became boys. Amen. And Alonzo morning had a kidney transplant. And the next morning, at 4 in the morning, God woke me up, Pastor. He said, I want you to go to the hospital and visit Alonzo. But, Lord, the guy, he, he goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, how am I going to get in? You just don't walk into this man's room. It don't work that way. So I called the, the, the head of bas basketball operations, 
and he told me where I went to the hospital, went upstairs. Guess who was deciding who went in and who didn't go in? His bodyguard. I walked in and Alonzo Morning said, Pastor Willie, how you doing? He threw me off. I said, yo, man, there must be something about almost dying that you don't mind seeing the pastor now, huh? And we got to talking for an hour. I was walking away and I turned around and I pointed my finger at him and said, Zoe, we call him Zoe. I said, Zoe, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with Jesus? He said, brother, you don't know what I've done, man. Jesus will never embrace me. I came back, sat down, and said, well, let me tell you what I've done. Share my testimony. This brother gave his life to the Lord. He left the Nets. He went back to Miami to play with Dwayne Wade. Went to the championship. And the championship game, he flew me out so I could be there when he won the championship. Where in my wildest imagination? Two years ago, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Inducted into the Hall of Fame. He flew my wife and I out. And in this exception speech of his Hall of Fame ring, he says, I want to thank Pastor Willie Alfonso for being my spiritual father. Where in my wildest imagination did I think that God would use me to lead a Hall of Fame and one of the great power forwards of basketball to the Lord and then in, in, in an exception speech, he would mention me. He wrote a book that sold almost 2 million books. Chapter 10 is all about our friendship, how I led him to the Lord. Where in my wildest imagination? But that's what God does. That's the power of God when you decide to sell out for God. See, I'm telling you this because I'm special, but you're special. And guess what? What's happened to me doesn't define who I am. It doesn't define who I am. God defines who I am. And he says I'm special. And I run with it. I run with it, man. I've told God not too long ago, God, I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I'm not satisfied, Lord. Use me. That doesn't mean sports. See, because this ministry is not mine. It's God. I can walk away right now. And if God wants me to work in a Bari mission, I'll do it, man. I'll do it. We had an opportunity a couple of years back when the coach, uh, Byron Scott, went to the Lakers. He called us up and said, come down here with us. And we said, nah. That's not what God wants me. Number two, I don't live with the ground shakes. I ain't down with that. I don't live with the ground shakes. I ain't down with that. And when he went to New Orleans, he called us to go with him, and they were going to pay me I wasn't going to have to raise money no more. They were going to pay me over $100,000 a year, pay for our daughter's private school, and give us money for a home. And we started to pray, and we told them no. And we stayed. And a month later, what happened in New Orleans? Katrina. So I want to be smack in the middle of God's will. Listen, guys, you're special. You're special, man. Don't look at your situation and allow your situation to define you. Not who you are. Makes no difference you're from the Bronx. I'm from Brooklyn. Puerto Rico, mulato. Don't make no difference to God. God will, God will, 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 will take you just where you are. Now, his intent is not to keep you that way. But your journey with God is going to depend on what you put in. And what you put in is what you get out. 
choices you make determine where you go. I know better than to get high. I know better. Now, a couple of years back, the last year at the old stadium, I had a buddy of mine call me. He said, Willie, come up to the bleachers, man. I got my son with me. Come see me. I went up there. Somebody was smoking some, some pot, and that hit my nose. And I'm telling you that, like, for a month, I wanted to get high. See, the enemy doesn't stop. But greater is he that is in me. But I learned. I learned. I learned these things. I learned these things by staying in God's word. I, I, I embraced the promises of God. And God is not a deadbeat dad. Okay? God is not a deadbeat dad. What's a deadbeat dad? A deadbeat dad is a man that has children and does nothing for them. Promises them the world and does nothing. That's not God. What God says in his word he's going to do, he's going to do it. But, but, there's a condition here. What you put in is what you get out. So you need to be Wednesday night. You need to be here in this altar on your knees. Bringing your, your cares, coming alongside of other brothers and sisters and praying for them. You need to come around your pastor. You have no idea the burden this man carries. You have no idea the burden he carries. There's a bigger bullseye on him and me than on you. The devil's after his kids and my kids too. My youngest girl walked away from God and went to hell. And my wife and I had to go to hell and snatch her back out. We're not exempt from that stuff. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Give to the work of God so God can bless you. I want everything I touch to be blessed. I want every place that my feet touch, God give me the land. I don't know about you, but that's the way I feel about it, man. That's the way I feel about it. I love the Lord. I'm one of those hallelujahs. You know, I'm one of those hallelujahs. I remember when I was a kid, they used to have these storefront Pentecostal churches, and they used to be singing, Alabare, Alabare. Alabare a mi señor. And my, my friends and I, we used, to get, we used to get balloons and fill them up with water, open them and say, Hallelujah! And throw the balloons. <coughs> now let me tell you, if you throw me with a balloon and water, it's on. I'm just saying. We used to do crazy stuff like that, like kids, you know? And today I'm a Hallelujah! I'm a hallelujah, and I don't care. Say what you want, man. I ain't going back to that. I'm not going back to that, man. Listen, I couldn't read. I couldn't read two words. Now I wrote a book. Come on. That's God. That's God. It's called, it's called, it's the new beginning, how to turn your setbacks into comebacks. Because the devil will give you a setback, but God will give you a comeback. You got to get with the program, guys. What you put in is what you get out, man. Embrace this wonderful walk with God. Embrace it, man. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be ashamed of it, man. I'm not saying to go to work with a 50-pound Bible and damn people to hell. That's not God. <clears throat> That's not God. You know what my greatest testimony to these players are? <clears throat> Matter of fact, 
You know <clears throat> what my greatest testimony period is? My greatest testimony. My mother never stood by me. My mother's still alive. And we have zero relationship. She hates my guts. She's consistently doing brujeria on me. Hates my wife. To today. She's 86, 87 years old. And she's still into that brujeria junk. This woman has always loved me. I met her because <clears throat> I needed to get a place to sleep because winter was coming. And her father had a bodega. And I asked him would he give me a job. He let me sleep in the basement. It was great. Basement had the boiler. It was warm. Upstairs was the grocery store. There was food. <laughs> and like back then, the Puerto Ricans, because the Puerto Ricans are the first to own bodegas, then the Dominicans, now Middle Eastern people. Okay? <clears throat> but she used to live over, she used to live over the bodega. So she used to bring me coffee. And then we fell in love. We've been together, we know each other 50-something years, and we've been married going on 45 years. You think I'm going to bang this up over some girl? Man, I can't be that stupid. I pray I'm not that stupid. My greatest testimony is loving my wife, loving my kids, then loving the work of God. First loving God, then my wife, then my kids, then the work of God. Then I got to compete. She got sick again this couple of months ago, and I called Joe Girardi and said, Brother... Sorry, I'll send you my assistant. I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying home with mama. <laughs> Yankees come and go. That's only one. I'm just saying, guys, I want to encourage you, man, to trust God, not to be wise in your own eyes, to give to the work of God, <clears throat> to be faithful in your church, in the work of God. Learn what your gift is. Learn what it is.